facial features but then you put scaffolding over the top of them and they just look like they're being worked on and that's what mario lopez looks like now yeah he sort of looks like a like his face is made of marshmallow peeps (laughs) he's good looking but he's under construction (laughs) so here we are on the almost eve the eve 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 of the 2021 nhl season so stoked i am so ready but i am also so very ready to do our inaugural season preview yeah me too we're probably gonna run a little long this time no apologies because we got a lot of fucking content a lot of opinions and a lot of bad opinions (laughs) and a lot of things that are going to make us look stupid in about six months time but you know what we're okay with that some of our opinions may overachieve I'm cautiously optimistic that a few of my opinions will will come true and then I'll be like see I'm a messiah I and then I'll get this good, like opinions per 60 metric. <laughs> I feel like I will develop a God complex if I'm too good at this. <laughs> like I'm already pretty close with that calling how long the season was going to be. And mm-hmm. so one more correct pr- prediction and I'm probably just going to start walking in and like Pope robes. Yeah. So on the docket for today, we're going to we're going to run through some some quick housekeeping things. There have been some good signings, some big signings that have come through since we last recorded some big news items that have come up. And then we're going to dive into our season preview and look more stupid. All right. Evan, do you want to dive yeah, in here? So, oh, uh, wait, we didn't introduce ourselves today. Yeah. Oh. I'm Evan. And this is my esteemed co-host. I'm Jake. Hi. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> So Dylan Strom, the quote-unquote star-ting now 1C for the Chicago Bleakhawks due to levels of roster attrition not seen since Verdun, will finally sign a contract for two years, $3 million per, ending up right about the cheap side of where I think everybody values him, which is pretty nice for the team. He does have a pretty high pedigree. He was third overall in what turned out to be a pretty weak draft class. So hopefully he can overachieve this season and make himself a lot of money and, you know, do something with this metric buck ton of ice time he's about to get. He's going to get a lot of ice time next to Patrick Kane. Mm -hmm. And as much as I don't care for Patrick Kane, he's a hell of a hockey player. So and the two have good chemistry. They they're said to be buddies and they've put some good Tate together, their problem is defensive. When you put Dylan Strom and Patrick Kane together, you're really running the risk of having that elite offensive line that you need, but having them really muck up the defensive end of the game. Right. And also, you know, if you're asking them to score more than be defensively responsible, that's going to happen. I think where Strom and Kane and company, you know, are pretty good defensively is they're just fast and they can back check pretty well. Yeah, we'll see. Next up, Oliver Bjorkstrand. Uh, This contract isn't for this year. It's actually for next year, but he signed five years, 5.4 million, was on an absolute tear last year was having a great season before both covid and he got saddled with a couple of injuries some pretty heavy interest injuries um but he's only 25 probably a 30 goal scorer which on a john tortorella team is huge premium yeah yeah you pay not quite artemi pernarin levels but is very very good for a 
for a John Tortorella forward. So they they're paying him probably what he should be paid. So $25 million contract, he's going to be able to buy a lot of swan dresses with that. Sorry, that was a terrible Bjork pull. So the next big signing is uh, Sammy Vatnin, one year, $2 million for the Devils, for a guy that we're big fans of, you know, a guy that's going to run your power play and be a pretty decent defenseman. He's maybe not the huge impact player that he, you know, has been in the recent memory, but he's going to bring something good to that team. I don't know. What do you think? He... It will probably play on their second pairing and will be, well, depending on how they view Damon Severson, mm-hmm. but definitely a power play guy can sit at the point, can can help you that way, can definitely play your PK as well. Like he's not, he's not limited in that way, that regard. So it's a great signing and it's $2 million for a team that had plenty of cap space. They are going to probably be bottom feeders in that brutal east this year so mm-hmm. just signing somebody who makes that less painful is probably the right move for them and you know we'll we'll see i think he has offensive upside he's he's 29 so it's not like he's ancient he's yeah, he still got still grow with the team into maybe some successful years if they get lucky yeah i think it's a solid signing and it's not like it's super expensive so good for sammy for finding a contract and good for new jersey for finding other defensemen defense <laughs> and finally the big one the Matthew Barzal. of them all. He's he's probably pretty close to like Henrik Lundqvist, Patrick Sharp level handsome. He did he's, a photo shoot in Esquire. Or yeah. One, yeah. I was impressed. He's a good looking dude. Yeah. He knows how to dress too. Well, he knows how to dress when Esquire dresses him. Yeah, but like you kind of pick up pointers, I think. If you if you have a professional come and dress you, like I think you kind of learn I, a lot. Don't I you? just wait for my significant others throughout history to tell me when I look stupid, and at that point, I make changes. Mm, so I've probably got about another six to eight months before I'm told I look stupid, and then I'll have to start buying new clothes again. Is and that when you get into normcore? I don't even know what that is. It's like uh, like oversized stuff from the nineties. No, like you, you look like a, a NY you student or like a like, <laughs> like you go to pratt like new york centric probably have a polaroid um like acid wash jeans that might put my relationship in danger so <laughs> i think i'll decline on that trend yeah maybe we should just have like a side podcast that is just us talking about fashion it'd be a good snippet <laughs> anyways barzal it's a good deal for him he'll he'll still be an rfa after this contract is up and he will make a ton more money once that happens and uh, it's a good deal for the islanders because they can afford it and they were pushing up against that so good job johnny boychuk for retiring yeah the term seems nice for everybody here you know 20 million 21 million dollars later he's gonna hit the market maybe as like a 26 year old Right. So, you know, it is setting it up nicely for another lucrative contract. Yeah, I think we're going to start seeing more of that because normally you see somebody hit the lucrative contract market at like 29 Mm -hmm. and then you're paying them 8 million a year for the worst years of their career. Mm -hmm. And so now when you see like, say, Barzal gets 10 million a year, he turns into that type of player. He gets 10 million a year in three years. You're paying for that at 26 as opposed to 29. So you're at least getting three of those prime years at that price. So it makes a lot more sense for teams, I think, because as you and I have talked about numerous times, NHL GMs are stupid (laughs) and they keep giving these people who are 29, 30 years old, eight year deals. And then they're like, oh, this is a horrible contract. Like just stop giving out the horrible contracts but those are also often a result of bidding wars or just sort of market fluctuations. yeah if gms were smart they'd be like 
they do what they supposedly did in baseball and be like, hey, we're not going to give him more than this. Do you want to like, let's let's not bankrupt our teams. And they're like, yeah, let's not do that. And so they're just like, oh, we'll give you four million a year. Right. And it's also a result of the sort of buddy, buddy GM system that we have in the NHL where nobody offer sheets anybody and they all get along. Just bullshit. <laughs> we need a villain. Right. Mike Babcock needs to be a GM. <laughs> Everybody will hate him. <laughs> Mike Babcock would give out horrible contracts to Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and then would give Luke Glendening $7 million a year for five years. All right. Those are the big contracts that we've, we've been focusing on the last couple of weeks. I don't think anybody else really of note has... You know, not that people aren't of note. That's rude, Jake. But <laughs> nobody we'll else say, with a huge we'll say, splash. We'll say big name folks <laughs> have really signed. But there has been some really kind of some shocking, some interesting, some, shall we say, hilarious news. Yeah. It has been said that Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, fresh off of agreeing to a nice $2 million, or sorry, two-year contract extension just days ago, has reportedly asked for a trade. And GM and Torts have decided to be out in the open about this, sort of like they were out in the open about previous trade demands or requests. GM Yarmo Kekalainen was quoted as saying, Wayne Gretzky's been traded, so anybody can be traded. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, this one's going to happen. The one article that I read about this was Cam Atkinson going, yeah, I guess we'll treat him like a Columbus player while he's here. Yeah. And like, so like people were, are clearly pissed off about this. Right. And then PLD was like, uh, it's just in my head and nobody got in my head. Nobody told me that I needed to do this. And I'm making up this voice. I don't know what he sounds like, but he's like, but this is, this is my decision. It's in my head. And it's like, that makes it sound like it's not really in your head. Like <laughs> is somebody holding your girlfriend hostage and less you get traded to LA like what's what's going on here <laughs> LA would love to have him LA would finally have a forward worth talking about I think if you're going to request a trade if you're on the fence at all why sign that contract you're still an RFA for like four or five more years so Columbus holds all the cards right why are you tell your GM that before he offers you this contract and you sign it. Yeah, one wonders if maybe he was pissed off by the Bjorkstrand contract or like the timing of it is very curious. And if he's pissed off, Bjorkstrand's been in the league so much longer and has gotten to that point where he kind of has earned that five-year contract. Mm. No offense to PLD, but it's not like he's like he had one good playoff. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's got a lot of potential at 22. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He is definitely a player for the future. He's going to be a very good player. But he's only making like 0.4 million less. Suck it up for a couple of years and then get your deal. He had a 61-point year his in two years ago. He had 10 points in the playoffs this year. Like, I mean... Granted, I think his impact was more than the points he had this year. Mm -hmm. I think you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. He was everywhere for that Columbus team and really made a name for himself. You didn't make your a name for yourself for an eight-year, nine million deal. Right. You you made it. You're still your max points in a season is still sixty-one. Like you're not going to get paid eight million a year. Right. You got to produce a little bit longer than that in order to get that big payday. So yeah, one wonders if it's really a contract thing or if he just doesn't like torts i mean i was under the impression or that columbus let's not forget he lives <laughs> in, in the columbus, butthole yeah. of america is that the worst nhl city i mean i haven't been to the canadian cities i know that 
things can be bleak there too. I may have told this story on the podcast already, but I'm going to tell it again. Mm-hmm. I went to a Red Wings game in Columbus. Okay. End of the season, Wings are in the playoffs. Columbus isn't. We drive down there. It's like a four-hour drive to Columbus. Get there, get to the stadium, enjoy ourselves. And Columbus is winning. They're up 2 nothing. This is, I think, the 2003 season. So closing in on the 2003 playoffs. Mm. And the the fans behind me are like, oh, Red Wings are so good. We're getting, they're getting beat by Columbus. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I was like, hey, well, we're going to the playoffs. What about you guys? Anyways, the game progresses. And all of a sudden, I feel a sensation <laughs> behind me. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I reach into my pants and pull a peanut shell out of my butt crack. (laughs) No joke. Pull a peanut shell out of my butt crack. And I turn around to these two mouth breathing Ohio jerks, (laughs) fat, sloppy degenerates, probably just stormed the Capitol. And there's a floor of peanut shells in front of them. And they've got these big gap tooth, like mouth breather smiles. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. Her, her, her. I was like, all right. And I flicked the peanut shell in one of the guy's faces. And he was like, Ugh. and I was like, yeah, that's been to my butt crack. Enjoy it. It's like butt sweat and poop crystals <laughs> marinated. Yeah. And so I turn around I'm watching the game and Brett Hull scores two goals to put the Red Wings on top. It's three to two. And all of a sudden I feel this again. And much to my then girlfriend's chagrin, I stand up and I turn around and it's about to come to blows and security comes down and I'm like wearing Red Wings gear. And this guy's like, what's the problem, sir, to me? And I'm still holding the peanut shell. And I go, these motherfuckers put this peanut shell in my ass crack and it's not the first time. And the security guard turns and goes, wait, what? Why the fuck would you do this? And so the security guard and they're like, we didn't do it. We don't know what you're talking about. I was like, why would I have this peanut shell that probably smells like my turds? And I threw it in the other guy's face and then like it all starts to come to blows again. And finally, the security guard goes, what do you want? I was like, I don't care. Just get them away from us. Like they can stay. There's four minutes left in the game. Just just get him the fuck away from us. And he's like, all right, I'll take him over to this other section over here. And they're like, we paid good money for this. And I was like, you didn't pay shit. Your money's no good in Ohio. <laughs> and as they're leaving, I go, it's three to two. Now we're going to win the game and we're going to the playoffs. Fuck you and fuck this state. <laughs> and uh, my my girlfriend's appalled. I feel great, except for like the peanut residue in my butt. And salt. Yeah, it turned into a whole fucking ordeal for our relationship. But the point is, fuck Columbus. And yes, it's the worst NHL city. All right. I think that's that's a, a very convincing argument you've presented. So moving on. <laughs> Corey Crawford. Actually, I'll let you handle this one. This is a, a Blackhawk legend, right? Yeah, Corey Crawford has announced his retirement, hanging up the skates after quite a career. One of his favorite career highlights for Annie Chicago and will be the, I think it was 2015 Stanley Cup parade when he goes, fucking right, Chicago. <laughs> when you're in the throes of jubilation, you should be able to say whatever you want, regard unless it's like racist or some awful shit, but like, <laughs> like any curse word you want to say should be on the table. 
Like you just won the Stanley Cup, the hardest trophy to win in professional sports. You get to drop a fuck bomb in the middle of Chicago on Michigan Avenue. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Chicagoans loved him. You know, his teammates loved him. It was hard there the past couple of years towards the end of his career because he's been fighting injuries, you know, headaches. You can tell that he takes playing well very seriously and isn't going to play at half speed. And so, you know, the team had to be very patient with him. And they were. I think he rewarded them with not only several cups, but, you know, that nice kind of send off series beating Edmonton in a quasi playoff series. You know, that sort of ends up being a swan song, but it was kind of nice. He kind of came out of nowhere, performed really nicely in that series. Um, but in my head, I have like him starting off in New Jersey and like kind of being sad of going to New Jersey and it's like overcast and rainy and he's got to take the tunnel to New Jersey to the rink and he, gets his gear and you know his, his nice new devil's goalie gear and and his new jersey yeah his, his new jersey and uh, 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 and uh you know it goes through that sort of meticulous process of putting on your goalie gear and getting ready for your first practice and you know he's kind of going through the emotions and and then he you know starts walking out to the rink and finally you know he looks out over all the other players and it dawns on him that if he's going to be around that kind of youth and teaching and losing and learning lots of lessons and getting shelled and beat up and shit on he'd rather just do it as a stay-at-home dad <laughs> at least then it's his own son's or child's shit i don't know what kind of kid he has but <laughs> i mean i think his kid's probably toddler at this point but also his kid has like the cutest goalie pads that match Corey crawford's goalie pads and it's been like one of the first things that has made me half consider maybe having a child at some point <laughs> in my life was was child goalie pads matching matching hockey equipment mm -hmm. but i also have an image in my head of him driving in New Jersey and the first time that someone fills up his gas for him he's just like ah fuck this I'm I'm done I can't even gas up my own car fuck this state if he had lasted long enough he would have realized how wonderful it is oh it's amazing I'm in never the, going back in the middle of January somebody pumping your own gas while you sit in the heat and coziness of your own car is pretty brilliant it is awesome. next I guess would be USA number one Canada number two yeah Canada is a poop blame Canada for not being as good as the United States in hockey there. I said it, whatever. They're terrible at hockey. Yeah. They're, it's not even their national pastime anymore. It's their national pastime is watching gooses <laughs> curling. Yes. Didn't the U S win at curling too? I don't know. We're going to take all of Canada's stuff except for their free health care. can give them baseball. Yeah. Just trade baseball for hockey. Yeah. They've already got a team. They know what it's about. Joe Carter, <laughs> you know, so the U.S., I'm not going to say dominated, but played a largely a perfect game against Canada. Mm -hmm. Two nothing shutout win in the gold medal game of the World Juniors. Uh, Spencer Knight is incredible. Mm -hmm. I went back to this article because I'd read it a while ago, but Scott Wheeler from The Athletic had listed him as his number three goalie prospect who is not yet in the NHL. And uh, yes, very like very clearly like he's a very confident goalie he controls his crease uh, i i likened it to a rabid rottweilers let loose in a junkyard just like this is mine and i am frothing at the mouth to kill you and i didn't hear this my brother said he picked it up on the broadcast but of every time spencer knight made a save and somebody was close to him from canada he would say, get the fuck out of my crease and like shove them <laughs> away. And I, I don't know if that's true or not. I again, I didn't hear it. But 
like just like I love a brash goalie when they're mm. playing behind me. I hate them when they're playing against me and every shot you take just fuels their ego complex. Uh, but in this case, totally like you faced off against one of the most powerful junior teams ever assembled and shut them the hell out. And so kudos to Spencer Knight would be my take from this game. Yeah, you got the sense that once the U.S. got ahead and stayed ahead, that they could put the clamps on and then Canada really couldn't play from behind because they literally had not had to. Like, it's, you know, playing from behind is a bit of a mental exercise and and getting decent at it as a team, you know, kind of playing a little bit riskier, opening up your offense, uh, rushing in with the defensemen into the zone, like, takes a little bit of a strategy adjustment and some practice and you can tell that they had had no practice at it and they just sort of got dejected. What they what they really didn't know is that if you just hit the D-pad on your controller, <laughs> you can change your offensive style and it's too bad that their coaching staff didn't know about the D-pad, but may, you know maybe maybe next year. Yeah, maybe they'll learn that. But it was a really exciting game. Canada hit a couple of just horribly timed posts and you get the sense that if you play this game again, anything can happen. But the U.S. won the one that counted and had some really awesome players look really awesome in that game. Zegras obviously was uh, voted MVP of the tournament. And uh, Dylan Cousins obviously will be very, very good. Archer Kaliev looked really impressive mm-hmm. in the tournament as well. Uh, had the game winner against Finland. And one of those guys who, I mean, he's already been drafted, so he doesn't have to worry about it, but mm-hmm. really helped his stock. So, yeah, Jason Botterill was hired as the Kraken assistant general manager. Michigan boy. Yeah. Go um, blue. <laughs> which is, you know, pretty cool to see them start to uh, assemble a, a crew. Uh, yeah. So Jason Botterill, uh, a, a personal favorite of mine, you know, growing up as a Michigan fan, as and now a Michigan alum. He, he was on the 96 national championship team with Brendan Morrison and Marty Turco and John Madden. Uh, not that John Madden, but the John Madden who played <laughs> for New Jersey for 10 years. And obviously Marty Turco and Brendan Morrison had great careers. But really, I think this is this is a hockey guy, a hockey mind. And the Kraken so far, at least from what I've read, have been doing a a really good job of bringing in hockey minds and that analytics new style of thinking type of mind and kind of meshing that room so that they'll have a more holistic look at how to create a hockey team because that's what they're doing. They're creating one from scratch. And so uh, I think Botteril, who has uh, has you know this kind of background is a really good hire for them, especially as an assistant GM. And I think both of us are pumped to see Seattle come into the league. Yeah, it, it's exciting to think of professional hockey only a couple hours away from us and, you know, we'll be, I guess, backseat Kraken fans probably the second that they start playing. For sure. Yeah, I will definitely root for the Kraken in most games. And, you know, it. I feel like their fantasy draft is shaping up to be a little bit leaner pickings than what Vegas had to pick from because Absolutely. it's the second time around. GMs are smarter and they prepared better right they didn't they didn't have a jonathan marcia show just dangling in the breeze when and you have to decide if you want him and barkov or huberto like they're not or uh riley smith like they don't have teams protected themselves much better this year i know a lot of guys who wouldn't have been protected if they had played early enough Mm -hmm. stayed in the ahl 
or in the WHL or overseas longer, specifically so they didn't have to be protected for this draft. Plus, Andreas Anthonisiu, future Kraken star. Future Kraken third liner, <laughs> Andreas Anthonisiu. Speaking of third liners, there's a really interesting wrinkle this year um, with timing of the leagues because, you know, obviously the NHL has much more cachet and is going to start on time. The AHL starts much later and may not start on time. So CHL prospects are going to be able to play in the AHL because their league may not start and no one knows exactly when it will start. So CHL prospects are going to be able to play in the AHL until their league starts, which is going to be an interesting wrinkle for player development for all these teams with really aggressive farm systems like LA that you know have all of these young players they're trying to get experience. Yeah, a team like Ottawa uh, who has had multiple first round draft picks in the last couple of years will be able to rush those those prospects a little bit by getting them that AHL experience without having to worry about contracts and all that. They can send people back down to the CHL if it if and when it starts, but in the meantime they can get that valuable experience uh, you know playing on a third or fourth line or whatever in the HL. Yeah, and it's probably not something that uh is like a bonus altogether for these players. It's probably more like mitigating practice time that they've already lost to COVID. For sure. If Canada has been, shall we say, a lot smarter <laughs> about <laughs> COVID, but is still getting hit relatively hard. So, you know, hopefully a lot of these teams and not that all CHL teams are in Canada, but hopefully they'll be able to, you know, start at some point and get their players back on the ice and you know we'll 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 see everything start to align as it should eventually also coming out of canada is all canadian stadiums are going to be able to host their respective teams a deal between the nhl and the canadian health, health authority was reached that will allow the the north division as it's being called this year <laughs> We are the North and we are going to bludgeon each other. Oh God, I can't wait for these games to start getting played and get real ugly. <laughs> the North is going to be so much fun. Yeah, I love the wrinkle that all of the refs, you know, because of Canada, like they're going to just have to stay in Canada and they're just going to use the same ref pool plus some sort of ref taxi squad players just to stay in Canada. So it's going to be the same refs and the same couple of teams over and over again it's going to get personal really fast. It's going to be like a giant, exceptionally talented beer league. And they'll all be drinking Molson. <laughs> yeah, maybe together after the game. We'll see. Uh, maybe maybe not in, uh, in Alberta. <laughs> so we have to say a couple goodbyes this week to some good soldiers. We said goodbye to John Muckler this week. Great assistant coach for the Oilers through the Gretzky dynasty and then moved on to being head coach immediately afterwards. As Gretzky said, when you have 22 pretty good hockey players and have enjoyed some success, it's hard to imagine that the addition of associate coach would be the final piece to getting the Oilers to the top of the mountain. But that's exactly what happened when John joined the team. He says he was tough, strict, but most importantly, fair. And he helped lay the groundwork to make our team more accountable to each other, which propelled us to become champions. I don't think you can really say anything better about a boss. <laughs> that sounds great. And as Jake referenced in our previous sort of bit on karmic retribution, they won a ton. John Muckler as an assistant coach to GM and head coach Glenn Sather, they won in 84, 85, 87, 
1988. And then after Gretzky's departure, Muckler was promoted head coach and won the cup again in 1990. So as a head coach of the Oilers between 89 and 91, he went 75, 65, and 20, which pretty dang good mark. Um, He finishes overall coaching with a record of 276, 288, and 84. Outside of the Oilers, he actually had some prior coaching experience for the North Stars in the late 60s. Um, He was their head coach for 35 games. God, I wish I were a fly on the wall to see what that was like from a hockey perspective. But also, I feel like the cigarette smoke might get really thick and kill me. It was drunk. (laughs) That's what it was. What? The cigarette smoke was drunk? Yes. Or the fly would be drunk? Also, yes. (laughs) And the players and the coach and the towel boy. (laughs) I just imagine everybody chain smoking in in the 60s. Uh, Maybe that's wrong. Chain smoking, like taking swigs of Goldschlager. I don't know, whatever, whatever Canadian hockey players drank the 60s. But the conditioning wasn't exactly what it is now. No. And it would have been awesome to see. So after the Oilers, he was far from done. Uh, He went on to both manage the Sabres from 91 to 95. And he coached the Rangers from 98 to 2000. He was GM for the Senators from 2001 to 2007, which helped them build towards the 07 Cup final in which they fell to Anaheim. And he finished his career kind of coming full circle with Gretzky, uh, joining him as an advisor to the 2008 Coyotes. So he won... Or sorry, he coached three NHL All-Star games and Canada's 1984 and 87 Canada Cup winning teams. For those of you that aren't familiar, Canada Cup is just the predecessor to the World Cup of Hockey. And yeah, we wish his family the best as they celebrate him and hope his rest is peaceful after such a successful and full life. All right. So we've, we've kind of run the gamut through all of the news that you may or may not need as we get into the new season. There but was a with- lot of... A lot of random news this week. Yeah, and you know, it's good for us to cover that, but why are we really here, Evan? Season preview. The season preview. It's 2021. The 2021 season is upon us, and it starts, we're recording this on the Sunday before the season starts on Wednesday, and we are both, well, I mean, you heard Evan's thrill, (laughs) and... This is as thrill as I get. We're both we're both incredibly enraptured to be able to bring a season preview at all. So part one of the season preview is just us saying, thank God there's a season. Yeah, I love that. This is what you sound like on hype. Yes, I am excited. (laughs) Like the only times I get super excited are when golden retrievers walk past Mm. and the Red Wings win a game. So yeah, it's not very often. So this is going to be like 31 golden retrievers walking past at once. It's <laughs> just prancing by with their big old fluffy butts. Oh, just a sea of gold hair, which is my dream. Really? I think that's a great dream. Like in the original Disney version of 101 Dalmatians, he sings that song at the end. We'll have a Dalmatian plantation. I want that, <laughs> but with golden retrievers and maybe not with the phrase plantation. Yeah. I was going to say that that has, aged poorly yes maybe a golden farm i don't know a golden retriever commune everyone is equal well yeah they'll all be my favorite they'll all be my best friend uh so speaking of the top dogs yes oh damn buddy that that first sip of beer just got you in the mood i think it was the cocktail before that that's entirely possible all right so we are going to stop like just to kind of roll through what we're going to do here. We're going to talk about our top teams, the worst teams, some 
predictions, some best of, and then finally we're going to have some really stupid prognostications. <laughs> That's the part I'm looking forward to. Things that we're just going to put it out there. And if it happens, we will develop a God complex. <laughs> and when they don't happen, we'll develop a God complex. But we're going to start off with the what we think are the best teams the worst teams and we each kind of picked a top three and a bottom three and we're going to roll through that. So my top three and we, we have one team in common and that is both of us picking Colorado as one of the top three teams in the league. I wrote in the notes, you know, this is this season is the story of a team that was already loaded completely and totally stupidly loaded who got more loaded They signed, they traded for Devon Taves. They traded for Brendan Saad. Their defensive depth is extremely high. The only real weakness on this team is their goalie depth. They don't have great depth there. Grubauer and Frankuz are are good goalies. Grubauer is a little is a high end good goalie, but I wouldn't say he's a great goalie and definitely not an elite goalie. Um, Frank Hughes is a good backup. Again, one of the higher end backups in the league. Yeah, I think so too, but neither of the, those guys I think are steal a cup. Good. I think Grubauer can win a cup behind that team. Oh yes, absolutely. I think Colorado can absolutely win a cup with this team. I'm not, I just wanted to say Uh like, I don't think they're a flawless team. They're a nearly flawless team. There are some shaky bits in this team. I I think that like Grubauer in that position, you know, I think he is very likely to be added to the list of like confusing Stanley cup winning goalies, sort of like Brad Johnson is a confusing super bowl winning quarterback. Trent Dilfer. Yeah. And that's entirely possible. I think we we're going, Going to see Colorado put up a serious amount of points, and overall, I think, and I think we're in agreement here. Colorado is the number one team in the league. I think so. Yeah, Bob, bottom to top, top to bottom, they are going to bring it every night. They are thirsty and they're hungry. Like, they can be a <laughs> they can be a power top and a power bottom, is what Ooh, you're saying. Ah, that sounds we're getting sultry. That sounds fun. We're, we're like five minutes in and we're already getting sultry <laughs> in this. We're that excited about about this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up for me, none of my teams, Evan is going out on limbs a little bit and I mm-hmm. appreciate it. I am not. I, I'm going with traditional slaughterhouse teams. Well, tradition as in Las Vegas has been around for three years and each year they've been very good. Uh, I think Las Vegas is the second best team in the league. They have the goaltending that Colorado doesn't. They did give some things up. They gave up Paul Statsny, a very good second line, third line center, middle six center. They traded Nate Schmidt to Vancouver Mm -hmm. in an effort to be able to fit in Alex Petrangelo. Petrangelo, obviously an upgrade there, but their center depth is kind of lacking. Like William Carlson, I don't enigmatic. I don't buy him as a 1C. I think he was a 1C for one year. There have been reports that Chandler Stevenson is going to be their 1C. Yeah, which they're saying Big Willie style starts on 2C, which maybe he becomes an amazing second line center. I mean, he's still a very good player. Very I, I think player, he's a but, good second line center, but mm-hmm. that means Chandler Stevenson is your first line center and Cody Glass is your third line center. I think Cody Glass is, is going to be very, a very good yeah. NHL player, but not this year. I think he might be a decent NHL player this year and as a winter hockey is near and dear to our hearts. <laughs> yes, it's really interesting to see what that team will be and obviously the team believes highly in Chandler Stevenson. I read that line pairing as sort of like a spread the wealth strategy. Um, 
Yeah. Well, because their their wingers are great. You know, they've got Pacioretty, they've got Marsha Show, Stone, uh, Riley Smith. They, they've got, I'm not saying that they're not talented, but when you look at Colorado and they're super deep, you know, you can make the case for goaltender being the most important position, but center is second and they're stacked at center. Whereas Las Vegas, I think is shall we say not stacked at center (laughs) yeah Uh, not as clearly stacked as but uh, they're another team they're playing in the west uh, which is just going to feast on the california teams and arizona so it's going to be painful out in the out west this year and so vegas is going to put up a lot of points they're going to be one of the best teams record wise in the league and we shouldn't be surprised by that no and those vegas colorado games are probably going to be must watch Wonderful. every time it happens. And how many the division teams, how often are they going to play each other? It's eight times. Seven or eight? Great. Yeah, there's that, 56 games. Right, because everyone's talking about how the Blackhawks are going to lose to the Tampa eight times. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> speaking of Tampa. Speaking of Tampa. They're my th- number three team. I thought about putting a couple of different teams. I thought about putting in Carolina. I think they're incredibly strong thought about Toronto. I think Toronto was already a strong team, did a lot to reshape their bottom four and their back end this year and St. Louis. However, I think St. Louis got worse with Krug Mm -hmm. and Petrangelo. I think they lose that Krug is still very good, but they're not as good. And I think Hoffman is not as good. Mike Hoffman is not as good as a healthy Vladimir Tarasenko. Brilliant signing on their part. Yes, absolutely. And he's going to sign probably a, a full contract coming up here. Relatively probably a soon. one year deal. Yeah, right. But, uh, but yes, he'll sign once the, the cards get shuffled so he can. Yeah. And so but when it comes down to it until they're not the champs, they're still the champs. Mm-hmm. And I know Nikita Kucherov isn't playing in the regular season, but all they have to do is make the playoffs and then you get Nikita Kucherov back and the Lights are flickering as if this room is haunted, and that's fine. That's the lightning effect. Ooh. <laughs> that's, I think, the second episode in a row where I've recorded my mouth making a lightning noise. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Last year with Stamkos going down, that allowed Point, Sorelli, Palat to really flourish as mm-hmm. players. So now we have a better idea of who those players are, and I think they have, they're in a better place to really expand on their roles this year. Yeah, and you still have really good depth players, and you still have Victor Hedman on the back end. You still have Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, one of if not, he's top three goalie in the league probably. So like they're, I think they're going to be very good again. And with Kucherov, all you have to do is make the playoffs, and then you get a top five player in the world back who doesn't count against the cap, and and you're you're loaded. So yeah, and the team can spread. Victor Hedman, Eric Chernak, and Mikhail Sergachev across three defensive lines. Yeah, Mikhail Sergachev is right now listed as their third pairing defenseman. Which is stupid. It's <laughs> unfair to the world. <laughs> they can each play 20 minutes a, y- a game and nobody complains and their defensive pairings just roll out this machine of effectiveness. Oh, it, yeah, and we didn't even talk about Ryan McDonough. Yeah. Because right. he's... Like, like <laughs> Luke Shen, like that's is Luke Shen their worst defenseman, like on paper, probably like it sort of looks that way. Yeah. And he's Jan, not bad. Jan Root is not bad either. Yeah. <laughs> so it's ridiculous. 
yeah, Tampa has all the trappings of returning. And I, you know, you know, winning it the second time is almost as, if not harder than winning it the first time. But if a team could do it, it's definitely Tampa. I was thinking Nikita Kucherov is the star from uh, Mario Kart. So you just get it and you get him. <laughs> Stars come out of you. You start turning technicolors and you just steamroll past everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll end my segment of best in show <laughs> with Tampa uh, because any one of those teams are quote unquote cup favorites and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I'm also interested for what Tampa Bay will be like now that they've won the cup because I know their mental game is such a big deal for them. You know, they have so much talent, um, but they collapsed to Columbus and then came back last year, you know, hungrier than ever. They seemed like they had this killer instinct that they hadn't had the previous year. They were beating you both ways, physically and with skill. And, you know, now that they've done it, is that, are they going to be able to turn it on like that again after the shortened off season, after all these things I've talked about? Very interested to see that. The team that is sort of a year behind them in with, with the hunger, you know, they've all got the hunger um, is Colorado. I, they're my top team. I think they were my top team for most of the year last year. Um, I think that Nathan McKinnon is going to come into this season like a man possessed and, um, you know, they've got great depth. They've got decent goaltending that we've already addressed. I don't know what else to say about this team other than the only player they lost is Nikita Zadorov, who is pretty good, but not a game changer. And they picked up two better players and everyone else is a year older. Kel McCarr, you know, one of the better defensemen is that we're going to see this year. Yeah, this team is is going to be awesome. So since Jake kind of went through the real top dogs, I've taken the liberty of going th- for some lesser lesser dogs. I don't know. Not like not Chicago dogs. I'm getting like a. a it's like the Sonoran hot dog. Of, <laughs> actually, I don't know. Sonoran hot dogs. I mean, it's just bacon around a hot dog. So I guess that's awesome. Uh, it's. I mean, I'm actually very much anti-Chicago hot dog. I like the Chicago. I, I like the Chicago hot dog as its own thing. Like it's, it's like I almost, appreciate it for what it is, yeah. but it's too. You also, much. cannot fucking get one on the West Coast. Like it's really hard, or at least in Portland. Like the the Chicago style pizza place here, like tries to do it, and it's not. Good. It's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I digress. Yeah. I think uh, other than than Colorado, I'm really interested to see Philly this year. I think they're a very deep team. They play very fast. Their forward depth looks very good. And their defensive depth looks interesting. I think it's going to take another step this year. I think Ian Provorov, you know, is going to take a step towards impressing everybody. And Carter Hart is going to stop a lot of pucks. So I think they are going to overperform. And I'm kind of picking them to steal the East. What with Pittsburgh being a little questionable. Washington being a little old and uh, Boston's a little injured. And yeah. Boston's a little injured and lost a lot of talent. Right. So yeah, I think, I think this is Philly's year. As I've pointed out in the past, Philly has an amazing penchant for just like stumbling out of the gate when they have a lot of 
a lot of expectations on. So we'll see if this happens, but I would like to see ever since Patrick Kane beat them in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I've wanted Claude Giroux to get a cup because I just like him. Uh, it's nice to see that he's on, you know, going to play up on the first line and, and Sean Couturier is ripe to, to take that team to where, you know, they've wanted to take him for years. So yeah, I, I'm pulling for Philly a little bit. I like the city of Philly and yeah, I would just like to see the flyers, you know, live up to their expectations this year. I think my third top team uh, that, you know, I'm kind of picking to come out of the chaff and be good, uh, basically on the back of some off season acquisitions and some of their young players taking a step and, you know, overall, a lot of expectations that I think, at least in this market, will drive success because if you don't win in Montreal, you are persona non grata real fucking fast. So yeah, I am picking Montreal to succeed this year. They've got one of the better goalie tandems. I think Nick Suzuki outperforms what people expected him this year and you know, signing Tyler Toffoli, having the existing players that they already do playing the style that they play, having the goalies that are going to keep the pucks out of the net. You know, I think this is a good looking year for this Montreal team. If they can start, put a good start to it. Like you have, cause you have to stay on top of it. A three game skid right. in a 56 game season is very bad. So like, <laughs> can you like, can you lose that second game and hunker down and say, there's no fucking way we're losing a third game. Oh wait, we have carry price. Let's put Carey Price in and let him do Carey Price things. Oh, Carey Price needs a rest. Cool. We have Jake Allen. Cool. Yeah. And I think that's going to be also a crux of why Montreal is super primed for this year is, is the goalie tandem. With 56 games, the backup goalie is going to play an outsized role this season, no matter what. So to have an elite puck stopper like Carey Price and then just like a sub-elite puck stopper he's in that good category like right he's yeah a he, good goal he's like you're talking about three game skids being you know uh, the mind killer i don't think they're gonna be really capable of three game skids with having those two guys in net you know they're gonna drop one here and there and carrie price could get injured because he is want to do that but they also have their third goalie is caden primo who is one of the top goalie prospects in the world mm-hmm. so they'll be all right it's a little bit of a depth play. It's a little bit of a style play, but I think they work this year, maybe more than they would work in an 85. So going from one of the best goalie tandems to one of the worst goalie tandems, Evan, I think we're going to start with your list for bottom three. Oh, I thought you were going yours fine, but the Detroit goalie tandem is actually very solid. Yeah. You have the goalie that I wanted. So yeah, let's just get this the fuck out of the Let, way. Let's get we? this. Let's get this ball rolling. It's, a ball filled like covered in hair and sizzled flesh and early draft picks. Hey, hey friends. Um, I have some bad news for you. The Blackhawks will be very bad. And I almost hope that they will be the worst that they possibly could be. But yeah, getting this season out of the way seems to be the attitude that the Blackhawks front office is taking to this abridged 50 get 56 game season. And one can hardly fault them. If, like the whole NHL itself, like you're going to let 2021 live in infamy as the shortened season, largely, if not completely without fans, why not hit the tank button like your button pushing in Mortal Kombat 
and just try and get that lottery pick that will galvanize people once they can get back in the building. And somebody definitely put the blood coat on for this season for (laughs) Chicago. For real, you know, uh, losing what could have been good players on mass. I mean, they lost an entire line before the season could even start. And not only that, a pretty good line. Like, (laughs) so losing then Corey Crawford, having three goalies that nobody outside of this room can name very well, like (laughs) Kevin Lankinen, Malcolm Subban, Delia. I have no fucking clue who's going to arise out of the three of them. I hope to God one does. Nobody will be the answer there. You think so? I I have. Some, I don't think Subban is good. Just based on his past performance in Vegas and what little I've seen of him in the Blackhawks. I think the answer is nobody this year, and maybe next year, Kale Morris. Yeah, Kale Morris could rise to the top of the heap. So yeah, the, the uh, ex Notre Dame player who's signed at AHL contract, he could work himself up into the conversation even this season. I think Delia and Lankinen might like either one of them might be okay. I think Lankinen's got a little bit of a pedigree, but yeah, it's, it's a bunch of nobodies and uh, that doesn't usually bode well for teams. It's going to be real bad in Chicago this year. And while that makes Evan cry, it makes me happy. (laughs) But what I will say is before the events of maybe the last two weeks, I would have still said Chicago was going to be one of the worst teams in that central division. Uh, I think it's a very tough division. You've got three cup contending teams plus Florida, Nashville, Columbus, who are all relative in some level of good to solid. And then you've got Detroit and Chicago. And so throwing, if you'd thrown Chicago in the West instead of Minnesota, then they could have maybe feasted on those California teams a little bit and been okay. But with the injuries and being in a brutal division, I I didn't pick Chicago as one of my three worst teams, but largely because I knew you would. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, ever the realist, if not the pessimist, I'm going to go there. So your next team, and it looks based on your notes, we can probably breeze through this team. Yeah. I, I think enough is said. Arizona, they're going to be bad. They've been doing this hemorrhage good players thing in the offseason like they do every couple of years. And so, yeah, they have good goalies. And yeah. Clayton Keller is a lovely young center. Um, but you lose Derek Stepan, who was your other decent center. You good, almo- He's you, a good soldier. You almost trade your captain because he wants to not be there anymore. Biggest argument for your team's existence is a certain American hockey player that is on a Canadian team that doesn't say good things about your franchise. It doesn't bode well when you're also almost completely up against the cap and still suck. Yeah. Are they still paying Alex Galchenyuk money? No, they're still paying Michael Grabner money though. Oof. So to end this sad story, uh, the other team that I'm picking for the basement is going to be LA. It was really hard picking between LA and San Jose, but San Jose has decent players that are too old to be good. Los Angeles does not have decent players or, you know, too few of them. And the ones they have are still aging and 
not just terribly good anymore. So outside of Anzac Kopitar, you know, they have who? Drew Doughty? Eh. Drew Doughty is... The most overrated defenseman in the league? He's a shell. Uh, yeah. And, and, and he makes so much money. And I respect him as a defenseman, but he's not good for that team anymore. You know, like their best... Sean Walker might be their best defenseman. They Ali Mott uh, might be their best defenseman. Yeah, a fucking Blackhawks cast off. Like, and I think... You know, him and Dowdy could have resurgent years. Word on the street is that Dowdy is doing this like comeback attempt thing, but we'll see. I think they're going to be bad. Jonathan Quick is an also ran at this point, and their future is bright. That's the interesting thing about Los Angeles and San Jose is the future for LA is much brighter than San Jose. San Jose's now is better than LA's, but LA is going to be at the pits this year. And, you know, the only hope for them, I think, is some of their prospects are ready and will get time. The one thing that L.A. has, Andreas Anthony Oh, man. He is going to be so fast. He's going to be so fast. He's playing on a line, according to Daily Faceoff, with Jeff Carter, which is the opposite of fast. <laughs> yeah. So, Is that going to be the fun line? Does Jeff Carter like share his Coke? No. God, no. No, when they were winning, he shared with everybody but now that they're not winning he's just by himself in the corner with a mirror <laughs> he's always a fucking late fantasy pick that will sometimes really surprise yeah well speaking of late fantasy picks mm-hmm. anybody on detroit mm-hmm. even dylan larkin or anthony mantha are going to be like sixth or seventh round picks you really screwed with our league this year and like it was like an arcade league you know it was like you just fantasy flow was a good term for it because you literally just like flowed into players and out of players. And like, it was like a weird thing. And now, you know, now we're adding dynasty picks and it's like, Oh shit, I have to think about who will be good next season. And also next week. Take that. Ah, it's, it, it's interesting. It's just, it's a challenge and a half. Well, that's a good summary of Detroit season, a challenge and a half. Mm-hmm. I think the caveat here is Detroit is going to be vastly improved from last year. The flip side of that is they were absolutely miserable last year. And so I think that while there will be a big leap, that big leap is still only going to get them back to the bottom of the basement. Right. So, back to just outside the playoffs. Uh, no, no, no. I think they're going to be well outside of the playoffs still. But they're, that's maybe like. It, that is closer this year than it would have been in normal years because of the truncated season. What if they overperform? Overperforming this year just gets them to like 29th. Yeah, I mean, what if they end up out, you know, just outside the playoffs, never really in contention for the playoffs, but like Evan, you're ruining my sob story. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know, if, if it starts working a little bit ahead of schedule, I guess what, uh, you're not tanking as heavily. You're maybe not picking as high. It's still rebuild. Well, with the lottery, we've learned that you can make the playoffs and get the number one pick. <laughs> so I think I think this is another bad year. I do think that they'll be better. I think they'll be easier to watch. The mm-hmm. big things that happened to Detroit last year were one. The first one is that one goal became three. Mm-hmm. And so... You would see them play really hard through the first period and be down one nothing, two one, or maybe be even winning or tied. And then that second period, they'd score a goal, and all of a sudden, like 
the wheels just came off. <laughs> and I think they'll have better veteran leadership this year. Uh, Bobby Ryan coming in, I think, is a great pickup for this team. Mark Stahl on the back end. Uh, you you also bring in some talented creative fold uh, forwards. Uh, you're bringing Zadina in for a full season. You've got uh, Nemesnikov, who I think is going to be a really nice addition. And fe- they're moving Fabry to center. We'll see if that can create uh, some some offense. And but the real improvement there is on the back end, where they got rid of some of the worst defensemen in the league statistically. Mm-hmm of the last five years, Jonathan Erickson's gone. Trevor Daly's gone. Mike green is gone. <laughs> like just think of those, those, those three men played NHL games last year, all for the same team. <laughs> That's kind of a crazy prospect. It's atrocious, but you replace them with Troy Stetcher, who I think is an excellent pickup. John Merrill, who's a great like stay at home defenseman mm-hmm. could maybe add a little bit going forward, but is really sound in his own end. Mark Stahl at the end of his career probably doesn't have much to add at this point, but is still an improvement over those three guys. So in that respect, I think there is a lot of room for growth. I just don't see the growth being to what you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. where they get to a, let's say 10th in mm-hmm. the East sort of thing. It's kind of where I'm wondering if they actually end up. All of the guys who signed with the Red Wings talked immediately about being part of the vision that Iserman laid out for them. And the thing about Iserman is he's not going to sit there and say, you know what? We could be a cup contender this year. He's going to say, we're a rebuilding team. We're hoping for incremental progress this year. I think we can get you in here. You can have a lot of ice time. You can make show improvement in your game. And if you stay with us, awesome. If that leads you to a better contract elsewhere, awesome as well. You know, that's what he said to Bobby Ryan. He said, you can come here. You're going to get, you know, you're going to play in our top two lines. And if a team, if you play well enough and a team comes along and wants to trade for you, then we'll look at that and we'll get you into a situation that suits you because we want to get, give you that opportunity. And so this, like even Steve Eiserman knows this is not the year for Red Wings hockey. I think personally, I think we're looking at, this year being bad again and probably next year being that team that is close to the playoffs, but not quite. And then hopefully in three years being that playoff team that can actually get in the playoffs and compete in the playoffs. Maybe they don't go deep, but like you're not embarrassed mm-hmm. in four games sort of thing. Right. They make it, they compete, they lose. Yeah. yeah that That's like, seems like a critical step for any team that is going from bad to good. Yes. And so I think the Red Wings are in that place right now. They're bad. Also bad, Ottawa. I think Ottawa, you know, they are, I will give, I will say this about Ottawa. They are in the Canada, the the North, sorry, not the Canadian division, the North. And the North outside of Toronto and Montreal could be sheer insanity. And can a reconfigured Ottawa team win enough games? Maybe. Probably not, though. I think they're still going to be bad. They're very young. They're, they have Matt Murray as their goaltender, so who knows what who knows what Matt Murray shows up? Uh, is it cup-winning Matt Murray, or is it last year Matt Murray who faded like a flower in the playoffs and mm-hmm. in the regular season? But they do have, much like L.A., you were talking earlier, there is a lot of talent coming up, 
and it's very young and it's going to take some time. They've got Tim Stutzel. They've got uh, Jake Sanderson, Josh Norris, all guys who are have that, that sort of pedigree to be very good NHL players, but it's going to take some time. It's going to take two years for them to be fully weaponized. And at that point, they'll have to trade them because it's Eugene Melnick. But <laughs> I think there's there's going to be some pain this season, but I do think Ottawa is going to be a fun team to watch just because you can watch these young players learn and evolve and kind of grow into who they're going to be as NHLers. Yeah, their prospects have a little bit more NHL readiness than the Kings. Absolutely. And I think you'll see Stutzel, you'll see, see Norris both this year. Sanderson's probably got a couple of years in the AHL before he's ready, but they didn't pick him to be ready this year. They've got uh, Thomas Shabbat, who I think is an excellent defenseman mm-hmm. and who will probably play like 30 minutes a night this year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's one of my favorites, personal favorites, I guess. Is he the best player on a bad team in the NHL? Maybe. He, like a legitimately could, could bad be. team. Like not like Alexander Barkov being on Florida, who oh, is I bad, see. but like a legit real bad team. Like like Lee Stempniak award winner. <laughs> Yeah, but legitimately an excellent NHL player, but just happens to be in Ottawa. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. I Like Eric I'll, Carlson. I'll, I think that's a good question moving forward. I'll think of something and that's probably like maybe next episode, but that's a really good question. Yeah, the worst, the best player on the worst teams, Thomas Shabbat, Dylan Larkin, Dylan Larkin. No, uh, any single San Jose star. Uh, well, <laughs> San Jose yeah, but they're, but they're all geriatrics now. Mm, that'll be interesting. Um, so moving from the bottom, now we hear uh, best goalie tandems. We've already touched on. Oh, before we go there. Yeah. New Jersey will also be really bad this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, they yeah. are one Mackenzie Blackwood stubbed toe from being so, so, so bad. <laughs> Again, very young. They're, well, they're a mix of very old and very young. I think Jack Hughes is going to be an excellent player. Nico Hishire is finally becoming the player that they starting to look like yeah, an like, NHLer. And with that draft, we all knew like that him and Nolan Patrick were not going to be immediately NHL stars. And so to see at least Nico Hishire starting to make that that turn, that's also the draft that gave us, I think, Miro Heiskin in and Miko Ranton in. And so there's there was there was some confusion at the top. But you see New Jersey is going to be really, really rough this year. I think their defensive depth is unless PK Subban fulfills our prophecy as comeback player of the year. They're trotting out him and Ryan Murray on their top pair, which is kind of rough. Sammy Vatanen is there to get bludgeoned by other teams and they're in the East, which is going to be so, so brutal. It's between them and Buffalo probably about who are going to be the bottom feeders in that league. And I like Buffalo's team a lot more than I like New Jersey. So I think New Jersey is my, is my third pick for just sad Panda of the year award. Yeah. I thought about writing them in here. I think it was, I think it was their young talent that kind of kept me out. You know, they're, an honorable mention for shittiest team, but you made it right. But I, I think that, yeah, I put them one spot out of my bottom three and I think they basically made it 
one spot. Uh, no, they made your bottom three, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, obviously Corey Crawford does not think much of what that team is going to do. Again, he got to New Jersey and noped the fuck out real fast. And yeah, the timing of that says very, real, real strange things to me because like, okay, you sign a free agent contract on day one. Yeah. Obviously you are planning to play. And then you What's see in the, the water team, in New Jersey. Right. Well, yeah. And then you see the team not and add bodies. anybody else. Like, is that, the, is that maybe what got him or the grind or just knowing how this season was going to be such a forgotten season and the pain in the ass. Like I'm very curious into what's gone through Corey Crawford's head. real quick. Yes or no. And then we'll move on mm-hmm. to best goalie tandem. Yes or no. Corey Crawford plays in the NHL again. No. Okay. Best goalie tandem from yeah. a goalie who know, who knew when the, the timing was right to goalies who are still playing in the league. Yeah. We, we briefly touched on Carey Price and Jake Allen. But you think there's someone better? I do. I think they, well, and don't get me wrong, Carey Price, Jake Allen, that's going to be a mm-hmm. great combo. And we're going to talk it up, but, up and down the league. Yes. But there's a better one, just Absolutely. ever so slightly, because I think Carey Price is better than both of these goaltenders, but only a little bit. And I think both of these goaltenders are in that, that elite category, whereas Jake Allen is in the good category. Mm-hmm. Robin Lehner, Marc-Andre Fleury in Vegas. They're also going to be playing behind a stellar team. Oh, yeah. But they're both excellent goaltenders in their own right. Robin Lehner, I think, has been a dream for when I still thought the Red Wings might have a chance. I was like, (laughs) they should sign Robin Lehner and everything will be right. And it turns out I was wrong. But Vegas made it right and they signed him. And he's he's on a relatively team friendly deal too. I think he's making like five mil a year and they still have Mark Andre Fleury. He's old, but he's, it's not like he was bad last year. No, he shows little to no signs of actually aging. Like his, the time he has missed is pretty commensurate with, you know, normal goalie maintenance schedule. Like he's missed some time with some groin injuries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out when you use your groins, (laughs) all the time eventually they go i'm tired and you have to just sit out for a while that's what dirk diggler said yeah (laughs) um but so that's my pick for goalie tandem evan i think that's maybe the pick at least to start the season my thinking here is that mark andre Fleury does not finish the season in vegas and oh we're gonna touch on this oh yeah and i i think that he is maybe gone sooner than the trade deadline. Like I think Robin Lehner is the goalie. He's a fucking physical freak. He's He's humongous, a great interview. He's a brilliant man. And he seems to have, you know, sort of found his raison d'etre in being, I don't know, like the woke NHL goalie that kicks ass. Like (laughs) I'm a big fan. I think, yeah, I think Marc-Andre Fleury is, as you suggested earlier, on the Colorado Avalanche by the end of the season. He's not long for the desert. No, because, you know, while it would be awesome to have two 1A goalies for the playoffs, you could flip him for another piece, another forward, or for 
some of the draft picks that you've already sacrificed to, yeah. to load your team the way it is now. So my Sorry. argument is Carey Price and Jake Allen because they will actually finish the year together. Yeah, I think they'll finish the year together. So moving on. Mm-hmm. Outside of goalie tandems, what do you think is the biggest play driver in the NHL? Your first line. Yeah, it's got to be your first line. I set that up as a rhetorical question and then I answered it myself. <laughs> That's fine. So I'll lead off on this, I guess. Yeah, you should. First line. So we're talking about best first line in the NHL. Now, the caveat here for me is that when David Pasternak is healthy, mm-hmm. I think that Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line in Boston is the best line in hockey. It's got to be. I'm with you. Well, not only just based on skill and talent, but also cost effectiveness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think I think that's the best line. However, with pasta being hurt for three to four weeks or out for three to four weeks, recovering for three to four weeks, we're, we're given this opening to choose somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so I am having a hard time deciding and I have just now decided to go with this line. I'm going to go with... Colorado Mm -hmm. jumping off of a jumping off of a (laughs) tall bridge there, Jake. Uh, But I think Landeskog, McKinnon and Rantanen is an outstanding line. I almost went with Vancouver, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser. That's a great line. It is. But I think McKinnon and Rantanen are both better than Pettersson and Besser. And I think that Miller at least after last year is probably a better player now than Landeskog is now. Hmm. But I still think, you know, if we're, if we're splitting hairs here, I'm going to go with Colorado. I think that line is going to put up a ridiculous amount of points on a ridiculous amount of shots. And they're going to, they're also McKinnon's also an excellent two way defenseman or two way center. Mm -hmm. So they're going to also defend well. And I think that's what kind of gives them the edge for me over that first line in Vancouver. Yeah. And that first line in Colorado kind of, it's like, it's like they ask you how you want it and then they can give it to you however you want it. You know, they can do physical, they can do fast, they can do Skill. whatever. Yeah. It, yeah. Cause Landeskog brings a physical presence that as make, does McKinnon. Right. Well, I was going to say the two of them together bring a punch and scoring edge to that line that I don't think, you know, anybody else besides maybe Boston at full strength can match. Yeah. Oddly enough, Nathan McKinnon won the Lady Bing last year. Ah, funny how that happens. Yeah. What, what a gentleman. But yeah, I, Van, I think you chose right in Colorado over Vancouver because um, a lot of pundits, and I'm sort of seeing their points here, are saying uh, JT Miller is maybe a good regression candidate. Um, you know, he killed it for me in fantasy hockey last year. But yeah, it's always a question. I mean, this year I think is a question for a lot of players. It's just like how you can get up for a 56 game season and keep it up. And, you know, with such a, a, (laughs) yes, uh, in terms of erections and, uh, I had to do it. An erection is, is probably a good, probably a good analogy for like keeping your like hockey skills. Like you can't do it forever. You got to be sort of strategic. (laughs) You got to learn how to use it later on in your career. (laughs) <laughs> but uh 35 year old dick is not 22 year old dick <laughs> you gotta be smarter you gotta pick your points you gotta <laughs> gotta pick your moments you gotta be smooth you gotta get in there do your job and get out that's like michael jordan learning the fadeaway <laughs> oh ooh, 
Very good. Hey, that elongated his career, what, three, four years? That's a good choice of adjective. Elongated? Yeah. yeah. I'm all over it. So I'm excited for Toronto, speaking of elongated careers. I'm a big Joe Thornton fan. And, you know, I think he's going to, him and Marner and Matthews, I think will be super fun. I'm excited. You know, I hope that this doesn't go and turn around and kick me in the dick and just be shitty. But I think, you know, him as the assist master with Marner and Matthews. It allows, it allows Matthews to just find a spot on the ice Mm -hmm. because Joe Thornton is still an elite NHL passer. And so you get the puck to Thornton and then watch Matthews dance for a couple of seconds and oh he's wide open score because Matthews is one of the premier goal scorers in the NHL he with Marner Marner is an excellent hockey player but you put somebody who can pass like Joe Thornton amongst them and Marner is also a really good passer too yeah you know like you have it's like two playmakers and an elite finisher and I think that is exciting Um, I know that Joe Thornton's been tearing it up in Europe and you know he looks like Maybe the best old man in hockey since what, what was that? Zidane Char. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. What, what's the old center in uh, Ottawa that retired? Daniel Alfredson. Yes, thank you. He was like one of my favorite, just old ass men, still good at hockey. And I, I've, I don't know. I feel like he's like the hippie Daniel Alfredson. I'm super excited to watch that line. I think maybe my choice is more like my excitement to watch this line than yeah. maybe actual output because fucking Colorado will just will be stupid. They're gonna eat. Everyone. They're just going to eat. They're just going to eat. When one man eats, we all eat. (laughs) All right. So best off season acquisition. Yes. Uh, Do you want to? Sure. We just talked about Colorado, so I can get mine out of the way. We are. And you'll see why later, but we are both pimping Colorado pretty hard in this preseason preview. I think the best acquisition this off season was Devin Taves, who is a solid, not elite, but very, very good, high-end good player if we're going off of like Corey Pronman's ranking scales. Mm. He's a very good NHL player. He costs two second-round picks, which are not nothing, but second-round picks are, especially in the NHL, more than any other league. Second-round picks are kind of crapshoots. Yeah, it's a gamble. Like even outside of the top 10 picks in the NHL, you have maybe sort of kind of an idea of what player you're getting. If this is the NFL or the NBA, the NBA, you know, your second round pick is garbage. (laughs) The NFL, like you should be picking a multi-year starter in the NFL second round draft who can probably start immediately. Uh The NHL, you never know. And you got Devin Taves for two of those. You never knows. You know what Devin Taves is. He's a very good NHL player. He is a great puck moving defenseman. He can play the power play. He can quarterback a power play. He can play PK if you need him to. But if you partner him with Cal McCarr or what Sam Gerard, one of those multitudes of amazing defensemen that they have in Colorado, you're going to have one hell of a defensive pairing. And so I think he's kind of like the last piece of the puzzle outside of maybe an elite goalie. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> hint, hint, near to mine. Uh, I think he's like one of the last pieces of the puzzle of having turning Colorado into that cup winning team. Yeah. As you've pointed out, Ian Cole is on the third fucking defensive. Pairing. And he's a very good NHL defenseman. <laughs> oh yeah. And their second pairing is Samuel Gerard and Eric Johnson. Like just stop it. <laughs> so yeah, that is a very, very good answer to off season acquisition. I'm going a little bit 
under the radar and kind of um I agree with you that a, this is an amalgamation excellent. of parts. But I think the Tyler Toffoli signing by Montreal is very smart, a mm-hmm. uh, very good term, and matches exactly what they're gonna do. I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but you know, he's a good physical scoring presence and that matches everything Montreal is and everything Montreal is trying to do. Uh, but yes, I, I completely agree with you. We talked about this last week. I think Montreal is the most improved team in the league this season. And I think you're seeing, I think Toffoli is probably the best pickup out of all of those pickups that they did this year. He was underrated in LA played very well when healthy in Vancouver mm-hmm. in his short time there. Yeah. Vancouver were dunces for not keeping him. But I think it showed that he fits in quickly, which I think yeah. is, is, you know, going to be someone paramount in, this in year. like design professions. That's sort of like sports. Like I can see how that is, you know, sometimes a premium is just someone that can, maybe they don't have the highest ceiling, but they can slot in and really hit the ground running. So yeah, I, I think Montreal is going to be super interesting to watch and, and him part of it. I mean, it's notable that Jake Allen was not eligible for this list because he was not signed in the off season. He was signed during the end of the last season. So like this Montreal has been a slow methodical process. And I think in general that type of thinking pays off. So yeah, I think I'm excited to see Montreal and how they do when pucks and gloves and all of the other equipment in this Canadian division starts flying. Yeah. I think Mark Bergevin has done a really remarkable job of kind of creating that team because they were bad for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it started with trading, trading PK Subban, who was probably their best player at that time. And then it's just kind of morphed into what we see now where they have a real, opportunity to make some noise this year and I, I will be really excited to see if they you know do well so the the final season preview thing we have before we get into our picks and our who wins what and our stupid prognostications <laughs> we're going to go with is uh, our buddy Rob who started this this kind of journey with us Rob brought this up a couple of times and said that actually it's not goaltender. It's not one C it's not one D that is the most important position in hockey. It's your two C and it's an interesting thought experiment in that, you know, a one C a first line, everybody, you know, in theory, everybody has a great first line, Mm -hmm. but it's those great second and third lines that really are what elevate your team to the next level. Detroit, great first line, afterwards like so you see that and so we're we're doing a thought experiment here and so part of that thought of thought experiment is there is a rule the rule is that 2c can't also be a superstar so dry no Tavares, no malkin no we know they're incredible they're on they're a 1c everywhere else in the league so of those centers left over who play in that 2c role who is the best 2c in the league yeah, I I think that Rob's observation was on point, and that's why we're bringing this up. As you pointed out, you know they can't be a superstar. They can't be on a team that is sold out to put a one C as its two C because that that's a move. Like that is, a, and it's a not strategic fun. Move. I mean, it's fun if you can do it. Well, it's <laughs> not fun for us. Like going, okay, Leon Dreisaitl, okay, yeah. like John Tavares, Dawn. cool. 
Yeah. It, the guy who won the Hart Trophy last year, it's probably him. Right. Who? Yeah. Who is the actual best true 2C? Yes. My choice is going to be Nazem Kadri. I think he's he's one of these players that can he can hit, he can score. He can take a fuck ton of penalties and get chossed out of the game too, but he he's doesn't have that. as much of a reason to do that now that he's not in Toronto. Yeah. He's, so, a, he's not playing for Mike Babcock anymore, exactly. so he's just So like, he actually wants to play. He's not as angry. <laughs> and he's on a team that is going to drive is shown that it drives him to high production. Yeah. He was excellent last year, especially he turned it up again in the playoffs last year. He was one of their best players in the playoffs. Absolutely. I completely agree with your pick. I have a different one, but you could have easily convinced me that Nazem Kadri is the guy. I'm going to go with Sean Monahan in Calgary. It's another great pick. Last year, Sean Monahan was a 1C. It looks like the plan is this year to move him down to a 2C line with Gaudreau and see if that can jumpstart Johnny Hockey's career. The first line is going to have the Kachucks or the Kachuk, the Matthew Kachuk. Kachuk. It's going to have Matthew Both Kachuk. Both of his personalities. Yeah, <laughs> Matthew Kachuk. And it looks like Elias Lindholm's going to slide over to his more natural center position on that line. Seems smart. So Sean Monahan is essentially a 1C. He's not an elite 1C, but he's a very good 1C. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a very, very good 2C. And especially playing with Johnny Hockey, that that's a very good s- second line. And I'm starting to think that maybe we sold Calgary a little short in our prognostications. But anyways, their their goalie situation is yeah, Markstrom. They are still paying Milan Lucic money. Yes. Oh no, they're they're like uh, they're in the middle. So where in you know they could be upper middle, they yeah. could be lower middle. But yeah, that second line on Calgary looks I mean, real good. Yeah. With Andrew Manjipan, like he's almost first line quality, at least in my eyes. And Johnny Gaudreau, you know, you like you're trying to pick him up off his sort of floor. Bad year. Right. He had a bad year. He did. It, it, he had sort of a floor year for Johnny Gaudreau and, and yeah. fantasy. Um, but yeah, moving Monahan down is. It makes a lot smart. of sense. And it makes it makes that team very formidable. I'm going to go with Sean Monahan. All right. We're in the home stretch of this. Long ass recording. <laughs> the final season preview rhetoric, or I guess the the thing that we I think are contractually obligated as people who are previewing a season to do is to make picks and to make some relatively silly mm-hmm. and thoroughly unproven and untrue prognostications. We'll do our picks first. Let's get it on with who wins the divisions. These new for one year divisions that we, I, I don't know why I'm making this like really wild hand gestures yeah, right you're trying now. To sell me a car. Yeah. <laughs> Buy this new Kia. It's not new. It's seven years old, but it looks like new. It looks like shit. All right. Anyways, who Is wins that the division? Kia named uh, Patrick Marlowe? Does Patrick Marlowe look like shit? No, he looks like a combination of every NHL player. That's true. <laughs> Turns out he is the amalgamation of all <laughs> white NHLers. Uh, yeah. So North Division in Canada. I feel like between your your and my picks, like the winner is in there. Yes. But I'm going with Montreal. I think they are going to put the most pucks in the net and keep the most pucks out of their net. It's very simple. That is simple math. I'm going to go with Toronto. While I don't think they will keep as many pucks out of the net as Montreal, I think they're going to put a lot of pucks in the net. So Toronto, Montreal. Vancouver could surprise us, but... Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think Vancouver got worse this year. Right. All indications are that. They have the young talent where 
you know, if it peaks, right. If, if we see in the first 15 that they're just killing people, all of a sudden that changes our equations, but yes, right. From just pure off season speculation. West. We'll, we'll head West. We're pretty unified in this one. And you know, I, I will say this, I could absolutely see Vegas winning the West. I, I think that I think they've got a lot of skill. However, the answer is Colorado. It's definitely Colorado. I think they're on paper. Honestly, I think they're the best team in the league and I don't see them not winning at least their division this year. Nathan McKinnon this year is the guy who you don't talk to. <laughs> is he just like he's brooding. He is corner? about to like just break a stick with his hands, not by snapping it, but by grinding it into dust like this graphite composite dust will just sit settle wherever <laughs> he sets on the bench. The Nathan McKinnon is on a crash course with destiny this year. And I think that destiny at least wins them the West Dallas fucked it all up for us last year because they, they beat the they, avalanche. They didn't really ugly, like Texas anyways, so we're never going to forgive him for that. But I, I think that if they vote blue, maybe I think the abs yeah, elect Beto <laughs> all of a sudden feel better about Texas. Yeah. It's hard to believe that they could beat the abs in a seven game series again. Okay. Uh, moving on the central, we have split decisions here. I am going to, I'm going to go with the young guns. I'm going to say they finally make it. Not finally. They've only been really good for like two years. <laughs> uh, they make it this year. All of that young talent Who would in that be? Car- Carolina. You forgot to say the team name. Home of Barbecue and the Hurricanes. And just said Young Guns and thought we'd piece it together. <laughs> yeah, fucking deal with it. I mean, I, it's I my podcast. <laughs> most most uh, most NHL teams would probably hear Young Guns or NHL fans would hear Young Guns and go, yeah, yeah. Carolina. Oh, he's talking about Aho and Sveshnikov. Got it. And like all of their defensemen. No, I think we're we're looking at the final like actualization of or weaponization of what they've been doing in Carolina for five or six years now. They, they got a bunch of young talent. It all is starting to coalesce. And now we're going to see that really play out. I think we got Hayden Fleury is going to take a big jump this year. Mm-hmm. Aho and Sveshnikov are already there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sveshnikov still has another step. Probably. Yeah. He's got to another be key. He's got And another honestly, gear. probably so does Aho. Right. Not, not, not as, obviously as Svechnikov, but yeah, I'm picking Carolina to come out of the central this year. I think that's a smart pick. I picked Dallas. If only because I think, you know, they're going to get Ben Bishop back at some point this year. They're going to have that two goalie tandem that I think will be very good. The central isn't the strongest division, but they showed, you know, over last year that they can shut teams down and really grind it out. Were they a fluke? Possibly. But I think, you know, with the talent that that's going to take a step this year, they're going to have Klingberg, they're going to have Heiskanen, Heiskanen and Rupe Hintz is going to take another step. So, yeah, I'm, I'm picking them coming out of the central. I think that goalie tandem once Bishop's back is going to be really solid. The thing that the reason I didn't pick them is Tyler Sagan's out and he's going to be out for a decent chunk of time. And so I think that is while he was not very good in the playoffs last year, he's still a very talented player. And so mm-hmm. with him being out this year, I think, I think they still make the playoffs. Absolutely. They're definitely a playoff team. They're probably the, in my mind, they're like the third seed coming out of the central behind Tampa and Carolina. But I think absolutely. I could see it like the, the desire to 
prove that last year wasn't a fluke. Yeah, my pick is a little bit of a, a what's the term? Um, Wrong. <laughs> I was going to say cake upset. What do you call that? Uh, Upside down cake? No, I don't know. There's fucking, I can't pull it right now. Whatever. Moving um, on. The East. <laughs> well, I, I think Dallas, I think Tampa Bay regresses because of the short off season. And I think Carolina is still young and can't figure it out. So that's where I'm sort of seeing Dallas rise to the top. Dallas had the same off season as Tampa. Yeah, you're right. But they didn't play nearly as long and counterpoint. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I can definitely see Dallas coming out of that, out of that division. And they get sure. Ben Bishop back. Yes. So I don't know. Yeah. I, you're taking the like, straight shots and I'm taking the weird ones. <laughs> that weird shot where you also chose Colorado. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just too obvious. It is sort of too obvious. I think in the East, we both kind of went a little wacky, which is cool. and maybe I'm a little more wacky than you on this one. No, I think they're a contender. I think next week, all of these predictions could change. Like yeah. once we see actual hockey played, like all of these may feel stupid. Yes. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh out of the East. I think they get a healthy Crosby this year. Mm-hmm. They, he missed 20 some games last year. Healthy Jake Gensel. Uh, uh, yep. Jake Gensel's back. I don't think they got appreciably worse anywhere. They did. Uh, Patrick Hornquist went to Florida in a trade, but oh boy, yeah, like, okay. I, I mean, I, think Hornquist is a solid player, but he was solid, but he's not going to be the guy who delivers you a cup or he's not the difference between winning or losing a cup. He doesn't make me Hornquist. Oh, poor, poor, poor Patrick. I think Pittsburgh has got the horses this year to come out of the East. It's going to be, gosh, that East is going to be brutal. And when it came down to it, they were the team that I thought had the least problems going into this season in the East. That is kind of their story is like least problematic locked up. John Marino still has Chris Letang who is still, you know, he's not, he's not who he was a couple years ago, but he hasn't trailed off heavily either. Still has Sid still has Afghani. Like, yeah, they will be at or around, I think at least a middle playoff pairing. Yes. Yeah. They'll, they're, they're a playoff team for sure. And you know, could definitely overachieve quickly and easily. Yes. So I am going weird and I'm going with Philly as I think I led on before. Yeah. I think it's their year. I think the, the young kids take a take a step. I think Carter Hart keeps a lot of pucks out of the net and yeah, I kind of want, you know, their, their fan base to feel the sort of success that this team has shown that they can take in fits and starts, but hasn't really consistently put a full season together until last year. Like I think they can take a step from last year. If I don't know, maybe luck, like maybe their season is just sort of up to luck. Yeah. And you know, I think they're a very good team. You made a lot of good points earlier about them being very deep and very solid. I think their defense is a little shaky, but, I think mm-hmm. Carter Hart is an excellent goalie. And so right. he's going to fix a well. lot of a lot of problems that the defense isn't. All right. Moving on conference. And I'll just point out real quick that you picked Vegas to win the cup, but Colorado to win the Western conference. Shut up. <laughs> All right. So fine. Conference officially change my pick. So we have we have very different answers for our conference champions. Well, let's do it. 
I'm going to go with Colorado and Carolina. I, I'm I'm feeling the Carolina train this year or the I kind of am too. Like, train. Like I, ooh, <laughs> I like it. Everybody hates that one. <laughs> is that a, did you steal that? I don't know. I just thought of it. I might have seen it somewhere, but oh, should I'm going to claim it. Copyright that yeah. shit. Yeah, I am pulling for the Canes. Like such good, exciting, young talent. Would love if, if they took the step. Um, I think it's going to be Philly out of the East. I think their collection of good young talent is maybe just riper. I don't know. We'll see. We're, we're banging hard on some drums here that may be a little bit of a reach, but I, you know, I, I think those are solid picks. The West, honestly, it's, it's either Vegas or Colorado. Yeah. If somebody West. else came out of the West, that would be Ooh. big. Um, but yeah, so any of our four teams could obviously win the conference. You and I have the same prediction, which is that the West rises and takes the cup this year. I'm going to go with Colorado. I'm going to go with Vegas. We're really, <laughs> yeah. we're really swinging for the fences on these, <laughs> right. taking two of the most talented teams in the league. But I think both of these teams are extremely talented, extremely deep. We've been talking about them all day, so I won't say much more, but I think they're obvious cup, cup contenders. Yeah. And you know, when we swing for the fences, we could move on to our heart picks really swinging the for the fences there. Well, so I'm on the record as saying that I think Leon Dreisaitl was not the pick for Hart last year. I think the Hart is MVP of your team. So the most important player to a team anywhere in the league. Yeah, Dreisaitl was a little bit of a, uh, what is it, like career award, MTV career award? or They rewarded him for the scoring title. And it was a bullshit call. It was Bush League. We'll so we'll say Bush Bush well, League. Okay, he was somewhat deserving. He he's an excellent player, but I don't think I I I don't know if I would have even picked him over Connor McDavid for right. it. He didn't drive that team. Yeah. So, speaking of Connor McDavid, yeah, I I'm just gonna g- play percentages and say he wins the heart. Like, <laughs> whatever. You know, I think a he's an amazing hockey player. Yes, and probably the best player in the world. A very cerebral hockey player. <laughs> Per his insane speed and, uh, you know, how quickly he puts just ridiculous highlight moves together. I think that's cerebrability. Uh, <laughs> fucking word I'm looking for. I, you just say ability. Yeah, I think that cerebral ability is really going to benefit him when he plays the same fucking teams over and over again this year. And he's just going to pick people apart. He's going to find everybody's weakness and he's going to embarrass them like he posterized the fucking poor Blackhawks defenseman last year <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah, this is a pussy foot pick but i think given all of the things we're looking at that the canadian division is going to do this season i think he rises to the top i'm going to go with nathan mckinnon and while that might be a pussy foot pick on paper we've talked we've spent most of this day talking about how nathan mckinnon is an insane possessed person who is going to drive his team to great heights this year he certainly seems like that and so yeah yeah he's got that like eerie Michael Jordan serial killer vibe and I'm going to be a bad gambler. And that is a compliment, not a condemnation of Nathan McKinnon. I think this year he proves that he is the most important player on his team. The the MVP to me, the heart trophy is the most important player to his team on any team in the league. So Nathan McKinnon ends up symbolizing that for me this year. Oh, absolutely. And I think 
you know, it's more than just what's on the ice for McKinnon. He drives that whole team. Yes, he absolutely. is a man possessed on and off the ice in practice. Like every story you hear about the man, he's getting his pilot license so he can fly the team. Plane. <laughs> Norris trophy. This is such a crapshoot. There's so many people like it's not like the nineties where there was only two or three guys who are going to win the Norris or even the aughts where it was like, okay, these three guys like Chris Pronger, Ray Bork, or Nick Lidstrom, right. one of these or, guys or even will win three years ago. And like drew Doughty was just like a pencil in for, you know, a Norris candidate. <laughs> they just, they just they stamped him. Right. Yeah. You fucking deserve it. Yeah. Like, Speaking of players who have a chance at winning this year, I'm going to go with Quinn Hughes for Norris. That'd be a huge jump for him, but not so huge that you'd be shocked by it. I think Hughes put together what I thought was a Calder type year last year. I thought uh, he deserved it. McCarr, Obviously also deserved it, but I thought Hughes had a slightly better season and was more important in the playoffs than Cal was. Yeah, it was maybe me just hanging out with you that led me to think that, but I totally agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, and my car had some had a relatively pedestrian playoff, whereas Quinn mm-hmm. Hughes had an excellent playoff. So yeah, he looked like a world beater in the yes. playoffs. So, you know, I'm kind of extrapolating that to this season because I, th- I think he's driven and I think that's what keeps you from going in from that freshman to sophomore slump. Yes. And if he picks up where he left off, that could easily be a Norris seat. Speaking of, of picking up where you left off, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Shea Theodore, which is really interesting because he's not even the top defenseman on his team, but I think he's going to be the best defenseman on his team, which would be awesome. He was stellar in the playoffs last year, really found a second gear again this year. He's going to be a power play guy. He's not going to play on the PK all that often. He's going to, which maybe, maybe I'm precluding him from the Norris right there, but he's going to drive a ton of play. And, you know, eventually maybe he is that one D ahead of Petrangelo because or well, they could just power line the two of them. I think they're both, I think they're both left-handed left side oh, defensemen. Yeah. So I think, I think Shea Theodore puts it together this year and kind of like joins that elite club of Norris to winning defensemen. I think that's a good prediction. Uh, you know, it, all it would take would be a Petrangelo injury and he's, or just playing like he did in the playoffs last year in the regular season. All right. In the playoffs, he scored some better looking goals than most several forwards. forwards, Right. Yeah. And and daily faceoff has them picked as the top D line to him and Alec Martinez. That's a, that's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. That's a bold, but reasonable pick. I think, I I think both of our picks are a little bold, but could absolutely work out in that regard. All right. And finally, Let's get weird. The Vesna. Oh, well, we got the Vesna. Oh, left. sorry. And we can fly through this because I think both of our picks are kind of obvious here. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with Carter Hart piggybacking off of what you have said about Philly. I wrote this last night before I heard all of your talk about Philly. But I do think Carter Hart has an outstanding year this year. And I do think that Philly looks really good on paper. And so and part of that is because Carter Hart is an excellent backstop. He was great in the playoffs. And he's going to play a ton. You yeah. Know? Like he's maybe more so the singular goalie that we saw 10 years ago than any other goalie right now. Yeah, he's going to play. He might just play more games than every other goalie. I went with Robin Lehner because I think he is just kind of a a man amongst boys and he's got a great defensive core in front of him. He's not going to see a ton of shots and he showed us what that looks like in the playoffs last year with 
was him being super dominant and showing all of his kind of extraordinary physical skills, backstopping that team to to a deep playoff run. So I I think this year he is in Vezina territory if he plays the full year for a good team uh, and not the Blackhawks. Um, but yeah, for sure. Honestly, he could get hurt and Marc-Andre Fleury might be in that. Win the Vezina. Right. It might be in that conversation because that team is just that good. So could be interesting. All right. We've gotten to the point. Are, and we're probably both running out of the ste- out of steam, but now let's get weird. Let's get real weird. All right. So some 2021 prognostications. I've said this a lot of times before, probably, but I'm a Michigan alumni. And so I read MGO blog, which is run by Brian Cook. Okay. And he does for every game preview. He does three opportunities for me to look stupid on Saturday. <laughs> I like this. That's how he ends his 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 game previews. So we're going to use that expanding it to season prognostications because we're not going to do game previews. These are going to be reasons for us to look or opportunities for us to look stupid at the end of the season stolen from MGO blog. I'll lead off. I say number one, Colorado trades Ian Cole and a third round pick to Vegas for Mark Andre Fleury. And this is the move that actually gets Colorado the cup that they need. Could totally see it happening. My question is, what then happens to Colorado's other goalies? You need one on the taxi squad this year. Grubauer slides down to goalie number two, Andre Fleury. I think it'll be fine. Frank Kuz just goes to the taxi squad. You have an alternative history. Yeah, I think he's traded also, but I think he's traded to a terrible team. Well, he's got a modified no trade list. He can submit a 10 team no trade list. So he probably won't go to a terrible team. But he uh, might go to a not very good team. Yeah, not very good team. I would love if he became a Blackhawk and, you know, helped them out for 10 minutes. But that's fine. I, Ian Cole is a really good trade bait. Well, especially because they have so much depth in, de- in defense mm-hmm. and they have so many prospects coming up. Like Bowen Byram is just chilling out in the AHL. But why would they trade with their most direct competition? For I, that's, hey, three reasons why we can look stupid, man. No, I know. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to maybe like we're we usurping the like, stupid. Well, like we always say with like brainstorming in the design process, like you can't shit on other people's brainstorms. You just have to roll with it. So I'm sorry for shitting on your, your brainstorm. But that. <laughs> it, no, it doesn't make sense on paper. I, get, I agree. Can I introduce this thing that you wrote? Oh, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> so I think uh, Edmonton misses the playoffs this year for all of their good players and Good off-season signings and good off-season departures. Andreas Athanasio. That's the one that kills him. The straw that breaks Conor <laughs> McDavid's back is no no longer playing with the Anthony fastest man in the, the other fastest skater in the world. And David Tippett is casualty. Yeah, and may nah, probably not Ken Holland. I'm guessing Ken Holland doesn't lose lose his job if Edmonton doesn't make the playoffs this year. Should Ken Holland lose his job when Edmonton misses the playoffs this year? Ah. Uh, no, I think he's been there only like two years. This is his second year. You give a GM a little bit more time than that. I think this is like McDavid's Goku coming back from eternal damnation and like taking several seasons of Dragon Ball Z to do it. <laughs> like uh, this isn't him on planet Namek. This is no, we are rebuilding the McKinnon dynasty that will become like he's going to win a cup. I still sort of believe that Connor McDavid. Yeah. Uh, Will it be in Edmonton? 
I think so. I think it has to be. Yeah, I don't think he's going to leave that team. He might force his way out. That doesn't seem like a him move. There were rumblings this well, year. Well, right. There's also but there's all the Canadian media that fucking eats itself. That's true. So about uh, hockey, everything else. They're very pleasant mm-hmm. hockey. Rebel, rebel, rebel. <laughs> so, yeah, as as you say, Calgary laughs despite also missing the playoff. <laughs> Jake's other very good prediction. Ilya Sorkin wins the Collider at 25, becoming the oldest Collider Trophy winner since Makarov Roulet. Yeah. So I, I looked this up because I was like, man, if he wins this at 25, he's got to be the oldest guy. No, actually. Uh, so Makarov came over from Russia at 31. What? Yeah. Well, he couldn't come. He couldn't come over earlier, obviously, because of, you know, the Iron Curtain comes to uh, comes to the US or comes to the NHL, wins the Calder at 31. And people were so pissed off about it that they made a rule that you can't be older than 26 and win the Calder. So you could call it the Makarov rule? Yes. <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking Ilya Sorokin, who is coming over from Russia this year, is going to be a goaltender for the Islanders. I think he wins the Calder. And because can- of that, he is the oldest now legal <laughs> winner of the Calder. He's at the age of consent where you can be a Calder. Yes, good for him. I think that's absolutely possible because... The Islanders will play a very defensive game in front of him. You know, we've not seen a goalie win a Calder for some time, but one thinks that a young goalie for the Islanders probably has the biggest chance. He's in a good spot for mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. And my final prediction, I couldn't I couldn't leave this without giving the Red Wings a chance to make me look real stupid. I think Dylan Larkin bounces back this year. Oh, yeah? He had a rough, well... All of the Red Wings had a rough year last year, but Absolutely. Dylan Larkin, Dylan Larkin played his ass off and didn't get a whole lot of offense to show for it. He's one of the better two way centers in the game. I think, I think and this a year consummate professional at this point, he's going to, if Dylan Larkin isn't wearing the, wearing the C on his chest before the season starts, I'm going to be so pissed off. He, he has, has to, to be. be at some point. But Iserman has said they're naming a captain this year and it's got to be Larkin. Just him confirming that they will is like, Oh, who else would it be? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be Cronwall's ghost. Like, <laughs> so. they actually they they bring like they make like a fucking Cronwall scarecrow. And it's actually just put a C on it. It's actually <laughs> Nick Lidstrom. <laughs> They're just like you're the captain. I, I live in Sweden now. Yeah, no, you're the captain. So I think Dylan Larkin rediscovers his scoring form. I'm predicting 52 points in 56 games, which would put him on a 76 point pace for a season. He's hit the 70 point plateau before two years ago. So I think that's not out of reach for him. If, uh, if Anthony Mantha and Tyler Bertuzzi stay healthy this year, and really that's only a problem for Mantha because he likes, he likes to fight people. He has said he's not going to fight anybody this year. If, if those two guys stay healthy, I think, I think that's well within reach for Dylan Larkin. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't think that's maybe your most likely of these prognostications. Watch him have like 35 points and everybody's sad, mostly <laughs> Dylan Larkin because Dylan Larkin's a hyper competitive guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to off the cuff this one. I think Alex de does a similar return to scoring. I think uh, his recent uh, uh, shooting percentages kind of show the story that he just hasn't been shooting at a very good rate. He had pretty standard 
scoring rate two years ago when he had his really good season. And then last year regressed really heavily. And I think this year, maybe just because he has to, I think he maybe bounces back. Um, I looked at a lot of his film in the offseason. It just sort of struck to me like he kind of lost his shooting touch a little bit. He wasn't quite hitting corners like he used to. If he was, he would sail a lot of pucks wide. He, his shooting, he was shooting a lot, but just not hitting at the rate that he was. So I think, you know, regression to the mean plus more ice time plus maybe a lost season where he was just on the ice a lot. Yeah, I'm going to prognosticate that he returns to his scoring form of years past. And with that, our marathon season preview has come to a close. Yeah, this was more exhausting than a 56 game season. My voice is shot right now. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's way deeper than it normally is. I mean, that just means it probably sounds better and when we record, when we process everything. Sounds like a prowling Wolverine. Sound like an NPR radio announcer. Welcome to the NPR studios. This is Fresh Air <laughs> with Jake Monty. But it's been a pleasure. It's been awesome having a finally having a season preview with the podcast. I think this has turned out to be pretty good and I'm excited to show people what we've recorded over the past, you know, couple of weeks without Rob and then edit stuff with Rob and make it more listenable. Like I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of what we've put together in terms of content to this point, starting with the season, we've kind of taken the start of the season as a, a bit of a deadline to put this podcast out and into the world and like really put our money where our mouths have been for a couple of years talking this over. And yeah, I couldn't be more excited. The fun part is where I go back and edit all of the podcasts with Rob and replace them with a Donald Duck voice. <laughs> and there are plugins for that. Yeah. And so that way we won't have to pay him royalties. So thank you everybody for listening, for you know, putting up with our early shenanigans. We're going to, we're going to keep doing this. Hopefully it gets better and, Hopefully you enjoy what you're listening to. We really appreciate everybody who takes the time out of their day to listen to us talk. Yeah, I can't echo that enough. All right. Well, with that, welcome to Hockey 2021. Stay handsome, everybody. Rastez beau. Au revoir.